Welcome to the Leadership Podcast, Small Things Make a Big Difference. My name is Spencer Holt. I'm a husband, father of four amazing children. I've lived in Canada, the United States, and the United Kingdom, and I speak fluently all three types of English. I've been a banker, part of an oil and gas startup. I've opened up a couple restaurants, and I currently lead the commercial learning organization inside AstraZeneca. I am passionate about what makes leaders effective and how we can all be more intentional in doing small things that will make a big difference in the lives of the people we interact with. So excited to be back. I had a a week off where I was able to gain some inspiration, fill up the energy cup. And this week in particular, we're gonna talk about the power of engagement. And so whether you're a leader that's looking at this through an organizational lens as you're leading teams, maybe as a parent, as you're thinking about, you know, how do I engage my family to um, accomplish certain goals? Or maybe you're involved in different organizations and communities where people actually aren't paid to help out and you're just trying to help them be engaged in doing something that is for a greater cause and they're not being compensated for it. This episode really helps, I think, give you some ideas and hopefully inspires you to think about how, as I'm a leader, doing some things that might make me and the people that I'm around better. In fact, uh, Patrick Lachoni says that when leaders throughout an organization take an active, genuine interest in the people they manage, when they invest real time to understand employees at a fundamental level, they create a climate for greater morale loyalty, and yes, growth. So buckle up. If you're not driving, you know, grab a paper or pen or or your digital notepad, take some notes, and together, let's learn about how do we drive engagement and make the world a better place. This week, I am honored to have a very special guest. Uh, welcome, everybody. Dale Woodson to Small Things Make a Big Difference. Thank you, Spencer. I'm very excited to be here today. Thanks for the invitation. Uh, Dale, thank you. And I think, Dale, one of the things that I'm most excited uh, to have you about is um, to have you here today is we're going to talk about engagement and accountability, which are, I think are two fascinating subjects by themselves. But to begin with, Dale, give us a little bit of like flavor and history about who you are and, um, and, and some of the, you know, maybe some of the things that you've done as a leader today. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, so I've been in the business um, almost 25 years now, and I've done everything from carry the bag. I was in, I worked in headquarters in the IHS GPO, which is now um, called the IDN space as an analyst supporting national account executives, directors, and senior directors at Merck. And then I did a first-time leader role um, at Merck in Southern New Jersey. And then from there, I did a role back in headquarters working in sales strategic planning on first-line leader effectiveness, which I thought was a, I mean, it was a very fascinating um, bit of work that was that I undertook for uh, Merck and Company, and then did a role as national account executive as well, and then um, did a stint as a payer marketing director in the respiratory space, you know, launching Lulera, working with um, Singular as it was going off patent. And in addition to that, we had the other ICS, um, Asnex, um, Ordeal, which was our LABA, 
So, um, and then we had Preventil, which was our Saba. So quite a few respiratory products and then went to work for GSK in the specialty space, specifically with immunology as well as oncology. And then, then got a chance to be a second line leader in the IDN space, which I absolutely loved. And then I, I joined AZ five and a half years ago in Southern Texas on the inhale side and you know, loved every bit of that and then got an opportunity to go for to biologics three and a half years ago, and which was a great run, and then now EBD. So um, a fast 25 years, uh, feels like 25 minutes, um, quite frankly, just a, a blast, and more importantly, just a very exciting career. That's uh, amazing, and, and give us a little context to Beyond Work, Dale. Any, give us, you know, the, who's the man uh, behind all the career moves, is there a family? Are there friends? Like, tell us a little bit about that. You, you know what, I love that question because um, I'm, I'm usually, a, I usually start with my family. So I am married, I've been married 24 years into this month, um, August 30th to Patricia. And we have two sons. Um, I shouldn't, you know, they're sons because they're, you know, they're my stepsons, um, but they're older gentlemen. The oldest is an attorney in, in El Paso, Texas. And Joey is a physician um, in Rockford, Illinois. He's a pathologist. And they're both married. Um, Nathan is married to an attorney as well. She works in the FBI. And they have two of our grandkids, Claire and Charles, eight and three. And then Joey and Catherine just had our third grandchild, um, Teddy, AKA T-Dog, um, just um, recently on June the 2nd. So. Um, that's, um, that's the family side. Kind of my interest, and this is something that I've really gotten into, which is I've become this avid fly fisherman. And I, I try to tell people now, don't, let's not make a mistake that I'm going to get a tent and, um, and head for the mountains. It's usually I have a guy that I pay, you know, probably way too much money to take me fishing and put my, you know, put my flies and rods together and put me on fish and they'll make sure I have a great day. And I really enjoy doing that. And I would say the other thing that I'm very passionate about is um, I love to eat and I love to eat great food. And it doesn't matter if it's, you know, five-star fine dining or a slice of pizza at a great um, pizza restaurant. And Philadelphia is one of the places I love to eat. I love New York. I love Boston um, and the scene that I've seen there. In addition to LA and San Francisco, some of my favorite places to eat. And I would also say Chicago. So um, those are things that I love to do, and that's my kind of personal side, as well as kind of the things I enjoy to do with, you know, with my hobby. And I'm, you know, I work out every day because you know if I'm if I'm going to eat the way I do, I have to offset it with time in the gym. <laughs> so that, that's kind of the old wits in a nutshell. Oh my god, I love it. And you know, I, I, you know what? The reason why I love learning a little bit more about your background is because that probably influences who you are as a leader probably even more than some of the experiences you've had in your professional life. And, um, and so I'd love for you to talk a little bit, you know, we, before we jumped on the, on the pad, podcast, we talked a little bit around, you know, Black Lives Matters and, and that you are African-American and that you, you know, you've been able to, as a leader, kind of excel and have this broad influence. And I think I'd love to just start out with, as, as we see these, you know, as we continue to, I think try to improve our what we're doing in terms of individual biases and how we embrace diversity as inclusion. 
how do, what's your role as you see that both within work and also in your family? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I, I think it's important um, to help people see that, you know, we got to look beyond color, number one. And one of the things that I enjoy is an opportunity to take on these individuals that have somewhat of a narrow, um, a, a narrow kind of perception of minorities. And, and, and quite frankly, one of the things that, you know, you know, that kind of brings a smile to my face is that once you get to know someone and, and, they look, and, they, and they give you an opportunity to look beyond the color of your skin, what you quickly figure out is that, you know what, you're kind of just like me. You know, you want, you know, you want to take care of your family, you want to be healthy, you know, you want to be, you know, someone that contributes, contributes to society and, and you want the best for your kids. And I was like, ditto, my list is the same as yours. And, um, and I think that's, it's impactful. And as I think about, you know, two boys um, and my boys, as, again, they're, they're my stepsons, they're half Hispanic and half white. And so, you know, um, but they treat me as if, you know, I'm their biological father who they do have a biological father and he's very active in their lives, but I play that secondary father role. And um, it's one that is one that is very active because we have so much in common with one being an attorney and one being a physician, clearly the connection with healthcare, but just being professionals and what does that look like and how do they show up at work and the mindset they have about you know, their, their roles in the organizations and, and being great contributors and challenging themselves and not being afraid to take on opportunities, but also to speak up for individuals that are people of color and be willing to, you know, challenge the status quo, which I think is very important because when you're in the room in, in, in the, you know, people are in human nature are going to hire individuals that look like them that are very, you know, quite frankly, similar to them. And, you know, do I, do I, do I, you know, you know, does that disappoint me? It does because when you look at, you know, um, corporate America and in the roles that we're in and, the, and even the big professional roles, you know, they're typically, you know, occupied by Caucasians. And, and, and you want to make sure that, you know, you, you, you help, you know, get people comfortable with people that are different and being willing to just, you know, you know, say, take a chance. And, but, but be willing to um, tell the benefits of why. And that big why is really helping people understand that the people that we serve want to see people that look like, you know, the, you know, like them. And I think it's powerful when you do that because I learned, you know, many years ago in my career that a senior VP told me, says, the company that we work for does not have the market cornered on talent. And, and this talent comes in different shades of color in sizes and gender. And so you quickly learn when you have those types of influences, it's incumbent on the leaders like myself and you Spencer to make decisions that will support to have an organization that looks like the people that we serve and willing to fight for those individuals that may not have the voice um, to shout um, loud enough to be recognized and be willing to invest in mentoring to make sure those individuals have that opportunity to have impact and have a chance if they choose to move up in the, move up in an organization and be comfortable knowing that there's some place you know there's a path you know and, and that others have trailblazed that path to um, ascending in an organization. So 
I just, you know, think that's important as a leader, but also something that I take very seriously. Dale, thank you. I, I just want to recap a couple of things that, that, I, that I heard that were incredibly passionate. Just, I could feel the passion in your voice. Number one, I loved, I smiled, right? That we are far more similar than we are different, regardless of race, color, you know, people at the heart, right? Um, we, are, we are more similar than we're different. I love that. And then I think number two, if you're listening to this, I loved your suggestion around, let's all be brave in challenging our biases and surround ourselves with people that don't look like us. And, and probably don't even think like us and be open to learning from others and being with others that represent a much broader population. As, as you described your family, I'm like, there's a melting pot there that just has a beauty unto itself. Um, that was amazing. Thank you. Well, you know, Spencer, it is, it's interesting because and as, I, as my wife and I, we reflect on our, you know, almost 30 years of being, you know, dating and married and having impact on those children, I, you know, I tell her that, you know, the greatest um, accomplishment you can ever have in your life is not necessarily what you do at work. Yes, it's great to be an EBD or vice president of this or that or president of the company, but it's, you know, the legacy you leave behind with the people that you have the opportunity to impact. And when I look at both of my boys and, you know, they're great individuals, they're great fathers, they're great individuals at work, you know, they're very active in their churches and more importantly, you know, they're just good people. And, 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 that, and that's one, those are some of the things I'm most proud of. And, uh, and I think that when you invest in people, quite frankly, most would say, you got an African-American stepfather, you have a Hispanic mother, and you have two kids that are Caucasian, Hispanic, boy, is the world against you. And we never ever allowed color to overcome in our relationship, and nor did it overcome and be a, a, a challenge for our stepsons, and quite frankly, it could have very easily done, we could have gone a completely different direction. Um, but I think the boys quickly realize, you know, when you're working hard and you're having success, and despite the challenges, you deliver, and they see that every single day, if it's with their academics or performance in the job, that they really understand what it means to be a family and that we're going to stick together and we're going to figure things out. It, it is, it's not about color. It really is about people. And, and I'm a firm believer that when you get it right, um, it doesn't matter, you know, what the mix of race is. You just got to make sure there's strong love and strong family. And you guys are rooted in something that's powerful, which is, is for us, it's religion. So, um, but, you know, those are some of the things that I think about when I think about your question and even the additional comments I provided. So powerful. It reminds me, um, yeah, I, I every once in a while, I love to throw out book references and uh, Clayton Christensen wrote a book, How Will I Measure My Life? And so those that are listening, you might want to pick that up. But it speaks, Dale, to what you just mentioned around, at the end of the day, uh, no amount of success in a boardroom will measure up to the success or failure that you have in the home. And I think you've just eloquently kind of described your values and where you've placed it. And it kind of leads me, I think, to this next segment that when when I when we said well, you know what should we talk about today and one of the things you you mentioned was around like the power of engagement it sounds like what you've been able to do in your own home through positive mindset and engaging people around a cause and to not let barriers get in the way my guess is Dale I'd love to explore what you do as a leader 
inside your teams and the organizations you've been, how do you A, define engagement and what have you done in your leadership career about helping create that engagement with the teams that you're leading? Yeah, you know, I love the question, Spencer. And yes, I'm a big engagement person. And, and, I, and I tell people I'm a people first leader. And, and, and when I talk about being a people first leader, I'm thinking about engagement. And that engagement occurs when you're making yourself available um, and have that open door policy for people to come to you and make yourself available and have conversations, but not conversations to give people answers, but to have conversations and ask questions and help people think differently about how they're approaching problems, how they're solving this, and, and, and creating opportunities to put people in situations that they will stretch themselves, and which I think is a big part of the engagement, and, you know, and giving them opportunities to do the work that they eventually want to do in some cases, or put them in a situation that they're uncomfortable with, but with that safety net that if they fail, we're going to pick them up and put them back in the, you know, put them back on the, on, on the tightrope. And, and I think that's important for people when you're thinking about engagement and get, asking people to take chances. And, and, I, and, I, and I've seen myself do that time and time again as a leader, and I am a huge, huge proponent of development. I really am. And, and I'm a great example of it. In my career, I've been, for the folks that have engaged me and wanted to be part of my journey, it, it, it has been outstanding. And I think of individuals like Tosh Buds, Dominic Finelli, Leo Mendez, Mike Kelly, um, Nancy O'Brien, um, Steve Moore, um, um, Julie Pavlik. These are individuals that I've worked for in my past and individuals that engaged me. And they, you know, they put me in challenging situations, things that I didn't, and I, at the time I was like, well, I don't know if I really want to do that. But I took on those opportunities and I do the same thing for my people. And, and it's a learned behavior and it's one that I love because the thing that I tell people, when you put them in, when you engage people and you put them in situations where um, they may not want to be, well, the cool thing is you get this productivity that is sometimes 180, 180% greater than you would normally get. And I think that is fantastic. And it's, it's doing the simple things by engaging people. And, and so I'm a big fan of this engagement piece. And it's and it can be hard to do because some folks, they want to be so controlling and they can't just let the talented people do what they are capable of doing. And quite frankly, I learned a long time ago, Spencer, I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I don't think I'm, I'm, I would say I'm smart, but I may not be the smartest guy in the room. So I'm going to put other people in position to do what they do well and set them up for success. And hopefully they grow as individuals and we deliver on, on outstanding projects. And they see me as someone that's going to always, you know, stress them and engage them and be a part of their journey. And I think that's a, it's a heavy commitment, but it's one that as a leader, if you do that well, a lot of the other stuff that you're asking of that individual. I love this concept of the spillover effect that you will get, right? That when you engage and you give people an opportunity to explore and what you get then, you know, performance then happens or execution then happens. So it's, you're talking about this spillover effect. And I think uh, one follow-up question for you, Dale, I think oftentimes we hear about that, you know, let people fail and it's okay. And I, I'm sure there'll be some people saying, 
yeah, I, that's not my experience. They say that, but when I make a mistake, I definitely don't get that kind of support. And so how do you balance that? You know, when you give someone that opportunity and they don't succeed, what, what do you do so that there's that safety of, did you learn versus the, oh my goodness, you did, you know, you didn't do well. And so they'll never take that chance again. What does that look like for you? So, you know, it, it is a great question, Spencer. And I think it's a critical um, question. And it's one that I'm a big, big believer in. You have to make space for people to fail. You absolutely do. And, and you got to be, and, and I think the way you get people, because you don't want them to make the same mistake 10 times, but you got to be okay with people failing. It is, but the key to, to me is the fact that when you ask the question about what went wrong, and how would they have done something differently and if they had the opportunity again and you get the right answer, to me, that's the win in the, in, in, in the process. And I think it's really important to allow people to fail and to catch them. Because if you let them fall and hit the ground, I can promise you, once they fail, they will go off and it will spread like wildfire. If you go for a chance and put yourself out there, no one's gonna catch you and quite frankly, um, you will hurt yourself to never be um, seen again. I would never do that. And you want to avoid that at all costs. You got to create this environment in, in, um, where when they do fail, as I described, you catch them. You really, you know, you know, work through this piece of what did you learn? You know, why did they make certain decisions? If you had to do it again, what did you see? And more importantly, what would you change? And they go through this, this process and then you give them another opportunity. And then, you know, and, and they feel like, so my career's not over. Not only is your career over, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you that I'm glad that this happened. Now you know. Now the next time you get in this situation, you just walked me through what you would have done differently to be more successful. And I'm going to be here to support you to make sure you, you know, that when that opportunity occurs again, you make the right decision and you deliver, you know, you know, yes, you deliver. Big. As you were kind of talking about that process, right? And if, and, and I, you know, what's funny is I don't think you actually need to always be a leader by title to help create space for mistakes. But then more importantly, like you, what you mentioned is to ensure that we are able to coach and guide and ask questions and help the individual discover if there were mistakes, what were those and how do they move forward as one of the most critical parts of the learning journey? Because I think so often we sometimes, we very rarely do we celebrate mistakes, we celebrate the victories. But most of our successful leaders today have made mistakes and learned from them, which is such an important piece of the puzzle. So if you're listening today and you've made a mistake, you're on your road to being a great leader if you've learned from that and you're now doing things different. I, I would absolutely agree with you. And, for, and, and, and I can only hope that for those of, uh, for those individuals that have failed and had a bad situation um, where the outcome wasn't quite right, keep keep pulling. You got to keep shooting if you ask me, because um, to if you know because you got to find that leader that's going to be willing to allow you to fail because that's the person you absolutely want to work for. And I always share with individuals as you're trying to when you're seeking for a job, that's the question I would ask: How are you going to handle if I don't deliver? If I fail and I give you my best attempt? How are you going to handle that? Because I think that's a great question to ask a potential suitor for you, because if you're not going to be in the space where you're going to be allowed to fail, it's probably not a great place for you to be because quite frankly, 
That's why stress assignments are called stretch because you don't know everything, but you gotta be, have a, a leader that's gonna support you or someone that you're working with that's gonna support you. So I think it's mission critical to make sure you have that alignment before you go to work with someone, um, um, before you go to work for someone. Such great advice there, both A, as a leader, but then also B, as you are looking at job opportunities and who you're gonna work for, what great questions to ask um, so that you are setting yourself up for success to be able to learn from that leader. Uh, so I've got one more question for you and then we're gonna kind of close with a couple other questions that are, that are so, so important. So one of the things you talked about early, and even before this podcast, when you were talking about jumping on was engagement and accountability. And, and that, you know, that it's an interesting combination. And so I'd love to get your insights on a, how do you define accountability? And what is the role of the leader and the individual when it comes to accountability? Sorry, that was like three questions, but yeah. I'm, I'm going to let you take a go at it. Yeah, no, no, I appreciate it, Spencer. So accountability is you just got to own it. And it, as a leader, um, accountability is making sure you give that individual that you're leading the space to do their to do to, to do their part and and not to jump in and try to correct them every second and or guide them. I mean you want to give them guidance and be supportive, but you don't want to be the person in there, you know, jumping in and doing the work for them. I think the accountability of I think your accountability as a leader is to allow your people to fail, fail forward. I think that and, and you want to make sure you own that piece of it. I think as the individual that's doing the work, um, you want to ultimately, you know, say the book stops with me. Um, no excuses. I have to deliver. I'm going to do everything in my power to, you know, make this thing happen without excuses. Because so often, you know, it's easy for people to say, well, you know, it didn't happen because this was the situation, that was the situation. And, and you want individuals to have that mindset that despite the challenges, we are going to figure out how to get this done. And, and, and owning it, in my opinion, is just that. And, 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 it's, and it's what you absolutely want from your people, 100%. And as I think about, um, you know, that, that ownership is something that, um, it's a learned behavior because you gotta have someone that is going to challenge you and stretch you to have this, this ultimate accountability for what is needed to be completed. And, and I think that's an important, important role of the leader as well as to make sure that um, they hold that person to the, hold them to that accountability, what is agreed upon. So um, th those are kind of my comments in regards to that question. I hope I answered all three questions. No, you did. And uh, you know, we had Liz Wiseman on a, as a guest earlier around multipliers. She would, you know, I don't know if she'd give you a hug. She'd definitely give you a high five, but she would be proud of you. Um, as you know, she talks often is, you know, one of the key elements of a multiplier is to allow people to fail and to make mistakes. And so um, I think you're spot on, Dale. Um, so are you ready for the hard questions now? Sure. Okay. Um, if you were to have one last meal as a foodie, what food or meal would you eat? Wow. You know, I would say, as scary as it sounds, and um, it would probably be fried chicken, um, and, and, and great fried chicken, <laughs> because if I'm gonna eat, because 
as I think about all the fine meals, and I can think of many different restaurants that come to mind for me, but I will tell you my one of my all-time favorite meals, and it's going to be my last one, is going to be fried chicken with some mashed potatoes and gravy and some green beans and coleslaw on the side, because that's usually how I, is how I love to um, have my fried chicken. Um, and the more Southern, the better. So um, that would absolutely be my, um, if I had one meal, that's what my meal would, would consume of. I can literally see a picture of that right now. That I, I, I would join you for that meal. <laughs> um, uh, the, yeah. The, the name of the podcast is Small Things Make a Big Difference. And one of the, so as we end, Dale, one of the things I'd love to hear from you as you think about your career and your life experiences, what is one small leadership thing that you do that you believe has made a really big difference in the lives of the people that you've interacted with? You know, Spencer, you're probably gonna chuckle because this is really a small thing, but it's one, it's one of the most powerful things you can do is always say please and thank you. And, I, and I'm a firm believer that when, you, when you're asking for something, you always say please. And when something's done, you always say thank you. And, it's, and those are some powerful words. Those three words are so powerful, please and thank you. And, and, and as a leader, you always wanna make sure you're asking your people at no matter what level in the organization where you are, and you wanna always say thank you. Because everyone thinks it's about, well, you need, you need to give them a pile of, uh, of cash. Well, cash is nice, but um, just showing some appreciation for a job well done is very powerful. So I'm going to say please and thank you. Dale, I, I'm, I'm smiling at this. What a powerful lesson in terms, and I love what you said, regardless of the level you're at or who you're interacting with, those words, truly small thing, but make a big difference, could not have been, you know, just very well said. Dale, thank you so much for your time. You've been very generous from, from, from the insights to the very beginning all the way to the end. I'm confident those that are listening today have taken away some really great insights. Thank you for joining. Thanks, Spencer. Appreciate it. I hope you've enjoyed this week's session of Small Things Make a Big Difference. Really great insights given by Dale. And there were two that are sticking with me and probably ones that I will remember as I go throughout. The first one was around that people really matter. And that, you know, you can say those words, but the reality is you it's more important to feel them. And so think about you as a leader. Do people ultimately understand and do they feel that you care about them? What are the small things that you're going to do today, tomorrow, and in the future that really help individuals understand that you see past position, but that you recognize them as the whole person and that you they feel the amount that you care about them. The second was, and I love this, the simplicity of saying please and thank you, regardless of how senior you are or how small the ask or task, may we remember that it is the human kindness and the sincerity behind a please and thank you that is a small thing that can make a big difference in the lives that we interact with, in the communities that we serve in. Have a great week, everybody. Be amazing.